What is up, everybody? Welcome into a Memorial Day edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, your host for the proceedings, as I am a lot of days. But today, on Monday in particular, it's an honor to be with you. Now, we understand that a lot of people are on vacation and maybe catching up on things. And so we thought, hey, wait a second. Maybe because of all the good hard work you people have been doing, maybe you didn't get a chance to hear all of our interviews that we've had a chance to do. So I was able to pull together some of the best that we have found over the last couple of months. The guys that have said just to my left, and J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and Brandon Dunn and Jordan Thomas, thought those were probably some of the best that we had done that we had a chance to, to catch up with. And so it was cool to do all of that. And I figured, why not start it off with the man himself, number 99. And he talked about a lot of different things in this. He talked about Shane Leckler being retired, what Leckler meant. He did touch on the softball classic, which is pretty interesting because he mentioned DJ Reader. Now, DJ did go deep a couple of times during a home run contest, so I'll give him that. Uh, We talked about going to Lambeau for a Wisconsin native to go back to Lambeau, to play in Lambeau for the first time, yes, preseason, but to do that uh, was pretty cool. We talked about coming back from the injury. And then, well, at the very end, you'll hear him talk about pool volleyball. Here's our interview with J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt joining us. You've heard of him. He's here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? Doing great. Looking forward to the Charity Classic. You're back. I am. I'm very excited about it. Now, the last time we saw you play, you were coming back from an injury, yep. and I'm seeing you take these cuts, and I'm thinking, I guess this is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you should have no concerns this year. I'm no very concerns. excited about it. That year I still managed to win the home run derby over Shane, uh, so I'm very excited about <laughs> defending my title this year. And you've probably you know, lorded that over, held it over his head for a while, I'm sure. First of all, since you brought it up, mm-hmm. Shane Leckler retires. We yes. saw your either Instagram or Twitter post about that. Yeah. Shane retiring, should go into the Hall of Fame. But what did he mean to this team, and what did he mean to you, JJ? First of all, I did not realized that I broke the news to the world. I thought everybody knew he retired. Yeah, you went Schefter. And I did not know Ooh. that. So I, like, we had this retirement party, which you would assume a retirement party means the world <laughs> knows you're retired. It's going to get out. <laughs> yeah. And so I posted a picture of us, and people were like, J.J. Watts says Shane Lecker's retired. And I was like, I thought everybody knew that. I didn't know. Um, but Shane is he is one of the best teammates I've ever had. He's one of the best people I've ever met. I think anybody that's met Shane or has interacted with Shane will tell you that he's as good of a guy as there comes. Um, And I'm very lucky and fortunate to have played as many years as I did with him. In my opinion, he is a surefire Hall of Famer. I don't think that there should be any question about it. I think when you look at his stats, when you look at his career and everything that he did, and if anybody truly sits down and looks at his stats and you can put him up against a, a Ray guy or anybody, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no question about it. That was a heck of a night, though, right, to see everybody oh, yeah. gather for that event. What was that like for you? So it was it was awesome, A, for me to see all these people and all his former teammates and see how many people cared about him, but then, B, the actual surprise itself. Shane walked in, and everybody said surprise, and he thought that he ruined somebody else's surprise party. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Babe, we, he said to his wife, he said, babe, we ruined somebody's surprise. And she's like, no, it's your, it's for you. And then he saw Janikowski and he saw everybody. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so cool to just kind of watch the lights turn on as he saw each person and the memories flew back to him. And it was a special night. And everybody got up and you have R.C. Slocum and all these people telling these great stories about Shane and what he meant to, this, to their lives. And you realize how over a career like he had so many years, how many different lives and how many people he affected. So back to the classic, first of all, is Leckler invited back? Does he get 
invited even though he's no longer playing? He he has a lifetime invite, okay. um, but it seems like he has more and more demands every year. So now this year he's not playing in the NFL anymore, so his cooler is going to be a little bit more full this yep. year. Um, but, yeah, he's coming back. He, he is adamant about being in the home run derby even though he got lo- he lost last time. So I'm very excited to beat him again. And then I'm going to have him pitch for team defense because he's been a great pitcher for us throughout the years. And if he gets hit in the face, he's not on the team, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who else is a contender to win this home run derby? <sighs> That's what we were discussing because every year I have guys be like, you got to put me in the home run derby. you got to put me in the home run derby because you can only have 10 in the home run derby, so I can't put everybody in. Every year these guys beg me, and I put them in, and they'll hit zero or one. And I'm like, you beg me to put you in. <laughs> Last year it was DJ Reader. <laughs> DJ Reader is like I played baseball in college. Yeah, uh, he did. He That's was, so hard though. Oh, but he was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit bombs, man. I'm gonna hit bombs. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm gonna put you in. Zilch. I was like, so I don't know. It's really with me and Shane Cush. Back when Cush was in and he mm-hmm. played in it, he he could really hit it. So he was a contender, but. Hopefully, I think uh, AJ McCarron might have a chance. He's a baseball background. Ooh. You meant Coach Cush. Coach Cushing, yeah, you're coach right. Cush, you got it. Which he doesn't uh, obviously like to yeah, hear. Yeah, we heard the scouting report that he really doesn't want to be called Coach. Oh uh, yeah, no, I I actually haven't even thought about calling him Coach. I just call him Cush. Well, there's some there's some ammo for when you walk into yeah. the uh, Sports Performance Center. JJ, at some point in 2018, or at what point in 2018 did you feel like I'm back? Uh, I've, I've said it many times, but I don't know if I ha- have ever or will ever say that um, because I think the second you say that is when you start to be real complacent and you start to yeah. feel like, all right, I'm good. Um, but during the off season, the latter part of the off season, I would say July-ish was when I was like, all right, I'm going into this feeling pretty damn good. Training camp's going to be a good chance to get my feet back under me because my conditioning level was up and all these things started to come together. And then throughout the season, you know, that Giants game early in the year was like, okay, that there was three sacks there. Yeah. That felt like an old-school type of game. And from there, you just try and take it and roll. I know it's very different, but there's some comparison here. You watch Tiger over the weekend, and he came back from being physically down and having to recover and to win the Masters. You come back from everything you went through to have 16 sacks and get back to the top of your game. Can you relate to that a little bit maybe? You know, when I, I would never put myself in that category with how incredible his whole career has been, but I will say that when I was watching it and you hear the announcers talking about overcoming injuries and coming back and being able to perform at a high level after so many devastating injuries, there's a part of you that watches that and just knows what he's going through and knows the emotions that he has to be feeling at that moment because you've been at those low lows where you question, can I ever do it again? I mean, I, he's talked about it before, how he questioned if he could physically do it again. And he told people he was done at one point. And I, I can say that I've felt those feelings where you're down yeah. and you're like, you never know. Um, but then to see him triumph and to see him get back to the very top of the game, I know how good that feels too. And uh, it's such a incredible feeling. So I think that my emotions might have been even more than a, a regular person watching him play that because I know exactly what that feels like to be down and then to be up and how special that moment is. And he doesn't show emotion a lot. He doesn't show right. a lot of emotion, but I think that inside of his head it had to be that feeling where I did it. Yeah. I think he got Jim Nance to show emotion in yeah. Butler's cabin. Yeah. I think he did. Yeah. JJ, in 2016 when we played the Packers, you unfortunately weren't able to play due to the injury. And I thought about you when we left Lambeau that day. Like, man, I hope, AJ, I hope JJ's playing in the next eight years so he gets to play in Lambeau. 
And then the news is announced that we're going to Green Bay, not only to play in the preseason game, but to also practice as well. When you heard that news, what what were your thoughts? The fact that, hey, I am going to get a chance to go play in Lambeau. Yeah, preseason game, who cares? It's Lambeau. You're playing a game there, as Mark and I talked about. How cool is it to hear that news that you're going back home, in air quotes, to go play the Packers? I think it's actually, for me, it's cooler the way we're doing it than it is playing a regular season game. When we missed that game, or when I missed that game back in 2016, I was sad that I wouldn't get that chance to play in Lambeau. I mean, I just I knew I wasn't going to get it because we don't play there for eight more years. So, But this hearing that we were going to go to Lambeau and hearing that we were going to train there for a week for me was cooler because I went to Packers training camp as a kid. Mm-hmm. I watched training camp there. I thought to myself, how crazy is this? These guys get to do this for a living. Like That's their job. And I sat there as like a middle school kid watching them pull up to practice, watching them ride the bikes down and watching them practice. And I thought to myself, that's the best job in the world. That would be the dream right there. I stood outside asking for autographs at their parking lot. Uh, I went to one practice, and I've been to one game at Lambeau. And no matter how far I go, no matter where I go, that place will always be special just because of those memories I made as a kid. And uh, so it's really cool for me to be able to go back there, play in front of Wisconsin fans, play in front of uh, and have a lot of my family and friends who've never seen me play live get a chance to come up and watch practice and see me. Now, I could see a situation where normally in a preseason opener, Bill O'Brien might not want to put you in. In this particular game, though, I'm, get, I'm getting at least it? one play. I'm, <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'm getting at least one play. If I go out there and take a knee, I'm going like, to get one like play. It's like Rudy. you yeah, got to get in exactly. the Do yeah. something. Just let me tackle him. JJ, Mark and I have talked about this a little bit. I, I went to games there many, many times when I was a little kid, so I don't know that I really grasped how important Lambeau really is to the landscape of the NFL. Why, in your mind, growing up in Wisconsin, why is Lambeau such a – why is it the cathedral, as Mark Hull, Like, What is it about that place? I think, obviously, it has a history and tradition. I think the team being owned by the fans. You know, I think growing up in Wisconsin, I had a chance to see just the immense pride that the state takes in the team. And I think that partly is partly the difference is because the team is owned by the fans and people. Every, every household in Wisconsin has that little plaque on their wall that says, 0.00001% owner of the Packers. Um, but also it's just, for me, I mean, I grew up in a middle-class family, not rich, not poor. We couldn't, you can't afford to go to the games, but when you watch them on Sundays, it was pretty much church. I mean, it was everybody tuned in every Sunday. You had to wear green and gold. On Friday, you wore it to class. If they won, you wore it on Monday. I didn't know any different. I literally didn't, and that's how every kid in Wisconsin was growing up. It wasn't, oh, I like the Packers. It was... Packers are our team and I just think it's such a special bond that that place has and it's a small town in a small city there's nothing fancy it's not like there's these big fancy hotels it's just regular people up there supporting the team that they love you know it's great to hear you talk about Wisconsin like this this is where you grew up but we know you love it here when did you officially fall in love with Houston when did you feel that it was my my rookie year, especially, I mean, near the end of it. I mean, the, the playoff game with the Bengals, it was. I mean, I, I got down here, and they we all know that they booed me on draft day. Not everybody, but there was a, a decent <laughs> chunk of people that booed me on draft day, and so we all know that. But I fell in love with the idea of making these people see what I could do, I think. You know, I... I I knew that wherever I went, I was going to love because that you don't have any choice. You, you want to make it. But I think that once I went through my rookie year and I saw the love and the passion and the craziness that these fans had, I was like, this is a good place for me because it's 
and I've built that bond ever since, and I'm so lucky to play for a fan base like this who has shown me such incredible love over the years, whether it's on the field, whether it's with my charity, whether it's going through Hurricane Harvey and everything that we went through during that. I feel like I've grown up with this city, and I've grown up with these people, and they're my family. And for me, I couldn't ask for a better family to be a part of. And I, Houston is ingrained in me forever, and it, it does feel just as important to me as Wisconsin. Well, we get the special moment with you May 4th at the Charity Classic at Minivade Park, and I know that means so much to you. We talked about not doing it last year. So this event, there you are in front of thousands of people, but you're helping so many more, really. And John pointed out before we got on the air here about it's all over the country. It's not just Houston, not just Wisconsin. It's everywhere now. Yeah, so we I, I don't want to speak out of turn because I haven't looked at the most updated number. But the last time I checked, I believe we're in over 30 states. Um, and it's just when I, I've told this story before, but when we first filled out this paperwork during when I was in college, you have to fill out paperwork to start a charity. And it says, how much are you hoping to raise? We put $100,000 because, and that's not one year. That was total ever. We were just like, if we could ever reach $100,000, that would be incredible. I mean, I was a college junior. I didn't know. I was just trying. Right. I was selling wristbands for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are today. I mean, multi-millions of dollars later and schools all over the country being helped. And I'm thankful to my mom and to my buddy who helped me start it. And I'm thankful to all the people who've donated and helped throughout the years and it's so much bigger than just me. Uh, I know my name is on it, and I get a lot of the credit, but there's so many people who have helped make it happen. JJ, we talked to Deshaun about this a little while ago, and when you start talking about family in Houston, it got me thinking about the McNair family, and I think back to the Monday night game against Tennessee. We found out that news late in the afternoon on Friday that Mr. McNair had passed, and then you guys, we got to play that game on Monday night, and I know it was tough for everybody in the building, but you guys are on the field going through that. What was that night like with – the, the moment of silence and seeing Mr. McNair's name, and you obviously were very, very close with him and the McNair family. What was that moment like that entire night uh, against the Titans on Monday night? It was tough. I mean, obviously getting the news is extremely tough. I mean, I've been here for eight years, and so he he's all I've known. I mean, he's he's been the owner here. He's always – him and his family have always treated me with such respect and kindness. Um, so to find out that news was so tough, but then it immediately turned to okay. All he wanted to do was win. All that man wanted to do was have a team that won. And so for us to go out there and to be able to put on a performance and win that game, that was the best tribute we could give to him. And now obviously we wanted to continue that tribute throughout the year, and it didn't end the way we wanted it to. Um, But that night I thought the tribute was beautiful. I thought that the way the fans um, paid honor to him was beautiful, and I thought that the way we went out there and played and the way that the guys put on a good performance that he would be proud of was great. All right, one more for you. This program, nine weeks, what's it like for you, especially at this stage? You're healthy going into it, and you got a lot of things that you want to work on, I'm sure. New guys to meet. What is this like for you? It's a chance to – for me, it's just as much a chance to get better and stronger and faster and, and work on your physical body as it is for us all to come together as a team. Now, it's not like we're going to come out of this nine weeks and be as tight as we're going to be at the end of training camp. But this is a chance for us to, A, get to know new guys, to get to know new guys who are coming into the program, B, reacquaint with each other after we've all been gone for these weeks, see what everybody's been up to, and then C, build those bonds that make us want to play for each other and want to be better during the season. I mean, it all starts right now, and it's we're not going to be holding big kumbaya meetings or anything, right. but we're going to be shooting the breeze with each other. We're going to be in the locker room playing ping pong or playing games. We're going to, you know, I'll have the guys over, we're going to play pool volleyball. and We're going to you do things that make you – create memories together so that later on down the road when you're in the fourth quarter of a game and it's tough 
you want to fight for the guy next to you because you know his family, you know his background, you know him well, and you want it just as bad as he wants it. And those the relationships are developed through it all. It's not just developed on a game day. Can we please shoot pool volleyball for HoustonTexas.com? I mean, I'm just saying. I think there's a reality show here. There's a potential here. We've had some really interesting moments at pool volleyball in the past. I mean, we've had some. It gets extremely competitive. Oh, that's not shocking. What we've learned is that the offensive line is very good at it because they have a lot of length, uh, and they can stand at the net and pretty much block everything. The defensive line isn't quite as tall, but we take a lot of pride in our scrappiness in pool volleyball. Um, but we had one year, I'm not going to say any names of who or what happened, but somebody got absolutely smoked in the face by a spike. <laughs> like meet the parents. I mean, we're just as bad as meet the parents. I mean, I have a decent-sized backyard, and the ball was spiked onto the face, and it flew off of the face back over the fence. That's how hard it was spiked. Ooh, and it was, was blood drawn? There was no blood, Are but there was a very serious stoppage of play. Are there, there still hard feelings? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a – it got very real very quick, and uh, we had, like, wives and girlfriends involved, and uh, we had to, like, reevaluate our seriousness <laughs> because it was a guy that got hit, thankfully. But, I mean, yeah. that, if that ball was coming at somebody in smaller stature, it could have been a real problem. Oh, yeah, pool volleyball is all kinds of dangerous, especially when you've got NFL athletes in the pool. No doubt about that. All right, we also had a chance to catch up with Deshaun Watson, and there was so much we had a chance to hit on with him his growth in his second year, making the play in Philadelphia. And then one of the things he talked about was the Monday night game against the Tennessee Titans and how special that was for him for a very particular reason. So we'll talk about that next right here with Deshaun Watson on Texans All Access. One year after tearing his ACL as a rookie, Deshaun Watson returned in 2018 healthy and ready to show what the league had missed out on the second half of the 2017 season. In 2018, all Deshaun Watson did was throw for over 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, rushed for over 500 yards, and five touchdowns. That had never been done in the history of the NFL. 4,000, 25, 500, and five. No quarterback had ever done that. Deshaun Watson did. And we had a chance to talk to him about that, playing Monday Night Football after the passing of Bob McNair, and where he hasn't traveled to this offseason. Here's Deshaun Watson. So how is it to get over jet lag for you? Are you pretty good at <laughs> recovering good. quickly? Yeah, yeah, I'm solid. Uh, you know, I actually didn't really get too jet lag. I, I kind of timed my sleeping, and you know, on the plane and, and the, uh, I guess, the timing. I don't know. I would just follow whatever the, the advice I had with the people I was with that, that's been traveling for a while. So I did that, came back, maybe took maybe a day and a half to kind of get used to the timing and, and sleeping right, but – Outside of that, I'm doing good so far. Mark and I said we should play a game. Where did Deshaun not go? <laughs> was there any place that you didn't go that you were like, man, I wish I could have gone there? Um, I actually stopped in Dubai or uh, is it Abu Dhabi Airport yeah. or something like that, yeah. which, which is like an hour from Dubai. And I was actually going to go, but the time it wasn't right. So, uh, you know, Dubai would have been awesome um, to go. And then Tokyo, I was on that side, but didn't have an opportunity to go to Tokyo because of timing. Uh, those two spots that kind of, you know, off the top of my head. When you sit back, the season's over, you step back, you get away from the playoff game, lost to Sean, and you just – I don't know what you did at that point, but I would imagine at some point you sat down with all the film that you had from the year that you played, finally got a full year in the NFL. When you step back and looked at it, 
what do you think? Because your numbers are incredible. I right, mean, you right, did right. something that no quarterback's ever done. 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 500 yards. I mean, you know all that. What were the things that stood out to you that you felt like you did well? And what do you think there are some things that you want to work on for 2019 and going forward? Uh, really just the leadership, how I managed adversity. Um, you know, if something bad happened on a previous drop, how I came back and, and kind of stuck through it for four quarters um, and, and not giving up. So – uh, that aspect, and then just really just, um, you know, controlling the offense as much as I can, making plays with my feet, uh, with my arm outside of the pocket, and, and just really just, um, you know, just being that leader of the, of the team. And then also off the, you know, that that was something that I wanted to fix is, you know, just the details, operation of the offense, being able to recognize different coverages and defenses sooner. Um, that's just kind of more film work, more study, more experience, uh, more focus. And if I can continue to do that on a consistent base, especially in the off season, and, and growing that, then once the season come around, it comes around, and and I can it just work like uh, clockwork. We know you're getting ready for next year, but what play or plays stood out to you as favorites from last year? Things that you saw in the highlights and said, "Wow, how did I do that?" Uh, <laughs> well, we've got I mean, one. Yeah, we've got the we've one got Philly, one. That's we, what I was going to think. Yeah. I mean, that's the one that jumps off the the head, the little. Three or twists. I threw the guys off and they made yeah. the play. I think it was third down. <laughs> he so. threw the guys off. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that kind of stuck up. But it was a lot of great plays, a lot of plays that the receivers made too. When when you threw – and shortly after, you know, you throw to Vincent Smith right, in the end right. zone for the touchdown. When you're throwing a ball like that, I mean, you don't really know exactly how it's going to turn out, but you have to have faith in your receiver. What's sure. going through your mind in those situations? No, nah, I mean, that's something that we talked about. It was a spin, uh, really a couple of drives before where I uh, threw an out route. I think it was the D. Carter – um, and the corner jumped it, and Vincent had to go. And it was almost, you know, pick. I think it was blitz zero or something like that. And I threw it outside. The corner jumped it, and he almost caught a pick. He dropped it. So I was like, okay, next time we get in this situation, they're not even watching you, Vince. Run full speed. I'm going to lunch it, and it's going to be six. Just trust me. And so uh, he told him, he's like, I got you. So the next opportunity came. We flipped sides. I knew 32. He was kind of looking at me, and I just launched it and, and put it in the spot. So his opportunity came, and he took advantage of it. I think my favorite thing about that play, I was third and 11. Yeah. I remember. What, you remember what Andre said literally right before the ball snapped? He said, you don't have to get it all in one play. <laughs> think of the first down, not <laughs> right. the touchdown. And then you threw the touchdown, and, of course, we, we went nuts at that point. Deshaun, one of the games that stands out so much on, on a number of different levels, but curious to get your thoughts, Bob McNair – Mr. McNair passed away on Friday. You guys got to play that Monday night game. And there's such a great shot of you during a moment of silence. It's like, I want that for my office. It's a great shot. But that game, how emotional was that game for you guys in the locker room, knowing that Mr. McNair had passed away a few days before, and now you got to play the Titans yeah. in your building on Monday night? What was that like? It was very emotional, man. It was, you can just feel the energy. You can feel um, just how, how sad it was, especially the day he passed. I think it was after practice or, mm-hmm. or meetings, right before mm-hmm. meetings or something like that. And we kind of knew about it, not everyone, um, but it was just, it was tough. Um, but then again, we knew that he was in a great, great place. Um, you know, he, he left in peace and he was happy. And all he wanted for this team is just to be successful, go out there, have fun and win. You know, that's what we wanted to do. So, uh, you know, in that moment, it was tough. You know, I felt like I was there with him uh, whenever he was going through those tough times and situations that I can brighten his day. So uh, it was very emotional for myself and we wanted to go out there and win. And, and that's what we did. All right, so now you're back for this nine-week program. What's it like to be around the guys right now? And you must really be looking forward to getting out there on the fields and doing your thing. It is awesome. I mean, just kind of, you know, starting over, building that chemistry again. It's a new locker room. A lot of guys left. A lot of guys came in. So, you know, we got to start from stretch and, and kind of rebuild. And that's what we've been doing is building that trust, building that loyalty, that work ethic. 
and that determination that, you know, we were going to go out there each and every day and, and conquer the day and win and try to, you know, before we leave this locker room, before we leave the stadium, make sure you check the bosses of how are you helping yourself get 1% better and how are you helping this team get 1% better. And if you can do that each and every day, then we'll be just fine. So many things I want to ask you about. A few days after the Colts game, you see your university win another national championship. Mm-hmm. It's now Clemson, Alabama. What's that like being on the sidelines to watch as opposed to being in it? Uh, I would rather be in it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was awesome, man. It was a, it was great. It was great to see the young guys that that came up after me, and, and I've seen them, watch them, you know, grow, do scout team. Um, a lot of people that you know didn't think they were going to be able to be at that position. Um, you know, they conquered that and, and just be one of the best teams ever, go 15-0 for the first time. So uh, it was awesome to see them do that that night, and I was very excited. Does that rile you up a little bit that you guys didn't? You got that pit one-point loss <laughs> kind of hanging in there nah, in 2016? I mean, of course, you know, both years. You know, we went 14-0 and lost to Alabama by five, and then we went 13-1. We lost to Pitt by one or two points on the last second field goal. So yeah, it kind of hunted us, but at the same time, we knew that, I mean, it was a, it was a matter of time that somebody was going to do it. That's the – that's a culture and program coach when you have in Clemson. We've seen you have some explosive days on the field. We also saw a lot of other games with other teams where they have high point totals. Then you see the Super Bowl really low scoring. What is it about this game? Where is it all going? What does I it mean, all mean to you? You never, you never know. I mean, it just depends on that day. Uh, you never know who's going to be in in that game. Everyone is good. Yeah, it may seem that hey, this team is is two and twelve, or this team is zero and sixteen. But everyone is good. Everyone has great players. So as OB always says, it's a lead that is set up for eight and eight. So I mean, it's just whoever plays better that day is going to win. And those two guys, teams in the Super Bowl, was going back and forth. And you know, the Patriots came out. They made more plays on offense, especially towards the end, and and pulled it off. When you see the matchups, you have Mahomes coming up this year. You have Breeze. Now you're not facing these guys individually, but it's right. the, that's the quarterback tail of the tape so to speak that's got to excite you when you think for about sure the it's a great opportunity for myself to be able to go out there and perform and compete with the best and uh you know i consider myself as one of the best in the lead and, and those guys are up there also so uh it's gonna be fun it's great to be able to know that they can score a lot of points and i want to do the same love getting a chance to talk to our guy deshaun watson all right coming up a couple of interviews one on the offensive side one on the defensive side mark and i had talked about who might be the two best interviews that we had and it just came up that way. There's nice symmetry to it. One offensive guy, Jordan Thomas. One defensive guy, Brandon Dunn. We'll have that for you next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And hopefully on this Memorial Day evening, you are out by a pool, you're around your grill, you're smoking some meats, or you're growing up some hot dogs and hamburgers, or maybe a veggie burger, if that's the way you go, kind of like my daughter. Hopefully you are enjoying the day, have enjoyed the day, and will enjoy the evening. At the same time, giving and paying respects to those as we should on this special day. Now, we've had J.J. Watt on the show. We've had Deshaun Watson on the show. So we have sexified this show. There's no question about it. Now, we wanted to finish up and finish strong. And so we looked for a couple of interviews that we thought would eh, maybe make you laugh a little bit. Maybe make you, I would say make you cry, but make you laugh a lot. And, well, two of those guys were able to do that. And they're two of the best interviews in the room. And those are Jordan Thomas and Brandon Dunn. And catching up with these guys, boy, it was really fun. And we did that during Texans media days about 10 to 12 days ago. And we'll kick it off with our second-year tight end, Jordan Thomas, with a cameo 
from Darren Fells. You seem to be very into Houston now. You're you're really settled. I mean, you're going into your second year. You're out and about in the community a lot. It's got to feel good to be a part of everything after the rookie years out of the way. Yes, sir. It, it feels great to be here in Houston. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into last year. So mm-hmm. so now I've I've got a, a year under my belt. So I'm getting I'm getting more active. So. It feels great to be here. Jordan, when you see the rookies walking around the building, do you do you kind of chuckle at them and go, <laughs> what they got to go through as rookies? Do you kind of look at them and go, look, you're not a seasoned vet yet, but you've at least gone through that whole process. Yes, you kind of look at them and go, y'all have no idea what you're in for. Yes, sir. Me and Jordan Nakins was just talking um, a couple days ago, actually, um, and we seen those blue lockers, and we was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> the blue lockers. Are they really they wasn't everybody. even – the rookies wasn't even here yet. And I was just – I just – I just, man, I feel for them. I mm-hmm. feel for them. So, they don't know what they're getting themselves into. They're, they're nervous. I know I know every feeling they're feeling. So, so every one of them, they come up to ask me, you know, how, um, how's the rookie season, you know. I'm like, man, it, you gotta experience it in your way. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't explain it. It's, it's something you can't explain. So you just gotta experience it in your own way. It's, it's, it's good, but you know, you just gotta experience it. Jordan, I always thought it was tough for rookies because you go through all that pre-draft stuff, and then the rookie camp, and then as you mentioned, you're nervous and everything. Does that take a physical toll as well? How did the season go for you? I mean, you had the four touchdown catches, you had a productive sure. season, but how did you feel during the campaign? During the honestly, I, I really didn't think about any of that. I was just taking it taking it day by day. Yeah, you know, I was tackling you know day by day. So. I I really can't tell you how I felt about it because I wasn't really thinking about it, you know. So I just I just woke up every day and said, "Hey, let's tackle it." So yeah, that, and that's just what I that's what I did every day. So I don't know, mm-hmm. Jordan. In particular, your senior year at Mississippi State, yes sir, you played a lot of receiver, yes sir. Which knowing you now and seeing you now as a tight end, thinking back to that time at Mississippi State, like man, those SEC corners had their hands full. What was it like making the transition? To tight end, because you probably knew at some point you were going to make the transition, but now all of a sudden you got to make the transition and you got to do it at this level. So what was that like making the transition to to a true tight end? Honestly, um, it, it wasn't a big transition because I played tight end in high school and I played receiver in high school and then yeah. I played uh, tight end in junior college. Um, so. I mean, my senior year when I played receiver, I was like, man, you know, if they they got their hands full, you know. <laughs> corners got their hands full. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, linebackers, come on. So, I mean, it, it wasn't a big transition, you know. Um, it was just real easy. You know, I've always, you know, been an athlete, so I just adjust. So, that was about it. When you see they acquired Fells and they also drafted a guy in the third round, so is it the more the merrier for you? The competition, however you look at it, how, how do you I, take that? I look at us as a as a mini basketball team. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually I take I take my five over anybody. Yeah, I'm gonna just add DeAndre Hopkins to our five, uh-huh. so we can have a point guard. So yeah, I mean 
Um, Can't Aikens play some guard for you? Maybe? I mean, he says he has a <laughs> basketball background, but I don't really know. It's no film on it, you know. <laughs> I, I, he said he played the baseball thing, you know. He, he was pretty good at it. I've yeah. I seen him. There's some evidence of that. That's yeah. some evidence, but the basketballs, I don't know. But we'll take them. We'll take them. Yeah. You know, we can sub them in, you know. But, um, yeah, Um. Actually, I I, 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 um, I I looked at Khalid Warren, um, great athlete. You know, uh, he's he's a great addition to us. Um, and uh, Fails, uh, I've actually got up under his wing because he's a, a big vet. You know, mm-hmm. and so I've been asking him questions. You know, I, I I don't you know, and he's just took me under his wing, and we've been vibing since then. Nine game winning streak last year. You score four touchdowns. It's a pretty interesting rookie year. I mean, good rookie year for a lot of people, and I know you obviously want to do more. But is there a moment from last year that stands out for you that you remember like, you know, that was that was awesome or that was a really cool moment or you're welcome to the NFL moment if you had one. What was the moment that stood out to you the most about 2018? Um, the moment that stood out to me the most is me, uh, the Dolphins game, me catching those two touchdowns. Um, um, it was just a, a great night. I've never caught two touchdowns in a game before, so it was, it was, it was insane. And to do it on this level, it was insane. So, and then I jumped into the crowd. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, there's some people that jump in the crowd, and the fans are like, "Yeah, yeah, come on!" You jumping in the crowd, it's like, "Yo, buckle up!" I mean, that's got to be a little, a little different for the fans. But the second one, you weren't even supposed to catch, were you? No, sir. What happened on the second one? Uh, that wasn't even designed for me. So I just um the uh we just he just rolled right and so with a quarterback like Deshaun, you know, he's athletic, he's gonna make a play happen. So I just kinda leaked out, you know, and he wasn't even looking at me with the throw if yeah. you if you even just look at the play. Yeah. He wasn't even looking at me. He yeah. was I think he was looking at me out of his peripheral vision. And I didn't think he was going to throw it. And yeah. then he threw it through a little small little window. And I was like, this ball is coming to me. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. It looked like it was a tougher catch than what it maybe was. I mean, when you see it on TV, you're like, eh, that's pretty. He makes a good throw. You made it nice. It looked like it was a little bit harder in real life. You kind of had to go down and get it mm-hmm. a little bit. looked like that might have been a little bit harder catch. Obviously, the first one wasn't an easy catch either because you got to kind of go up and get it a mm-hmm. little bit. You don't really have to jump. But you're trying to get away from the safety, so you got to go up and get it a little bit. But then you do it on national TV too. Yes, sir. That had to be kind of nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that that first one, it was. Uh, I just reacted to the throw. Honestly, I didn't think about it. Um, I just reacted. You know, be an athlete. So. All right, Fells is coming in. So tell me this: if something should happen to the tackles, uh, who's the emergency Fels. tackle? Fells. It's going to be him. Fells. Okay. Definitely. It's going to be him. <laughs> Definitely. He's happy with that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely <laughs> fails. Right. George, thanks a lot for being with us. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. Now, just to give you a little background, during Texans media days, we'll have players in here, and it's kind of like Grand Central Station, players sitting here doing the interview, and then other guys step in. And Darren Fells, who I was not familiar with, I mean, I know Darren Fells, but I've only seen him with a helmet on. So I didn't know it was him. So when he walks in the room, kind of trying to figure it out. Well, at some point, JT turned around and – Mentioned Darren Fells. Well, then Fells obviously stepped in and had to had to uh, kind of set the youngster straight. But I think that's going to be a really good relationship, Darren Fells 
and Jordan Thomas in a very eclectic and fun tight end room. There's no doubt about that. Will Long will have some fun with that group, and well, he'll have some, <laughs> some work to do to keep them all in line. Now, the guy that's been on the line, the defensive line, for a while, and I think is one of the more underrated players in this team and in the league, that's Brandon Dunn. Of course, we had to know if anybody is looking to unseat him as the DJ of the locker room. Nobody's going to take it away. I mean, okay. a lot of people have been coming up asking for requests. Right. Know, getting kind of hectic in there. You know, we haven't even put on pads or even a helmet yet. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I, might, I might have to pull out my, my backhand here in a couple of days. Now, Brian Body Calhoun was in here a little while ago. He's got a record label. I mean, there's some dudes that have got some music in their backgrounds. Have anybody even come to you at all and said, no, no, I should be doing that? No. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the uh, the weightlifting that's been going on because I'm, I'm, you know, mm. my traps are bigger. You know, <laughs> this is a gun show. You know, everybody in my stuff. You know, my locker's right there. Everybody, you know, respects me now. Everybody knows who's the DJ, who needs to play right. the music. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's more of a respect level. Even from the guys who's never been here, they just know. Right. They figure it out pretty fast. Oh, right. Right. There you go. So uh, it's great to have you back, by the way, because I, I, not that I was that worried, but, you know, I mean, we had to get this thing done here. Yeah. What was that like for you going through that process of getting re-upped? Uh, man, you know what? It was it was very it was very relaxing. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a win win situation to me. Yeah. You know, so I was going to uh, be somewhere, you know, still doing what I love. You know, what I'm saying my salary is going to be different. But the best thing about it is I'm back home. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say home is in Houston. So I felt good about it. Loved it. My wife loved it. Baby girl loves it. So you know everything was just it was just beautiful. Back in back to business. Brandon, you've been you've been here for a while now. You've really established yourself on defensive line. It feels like every year we see you make strides. What did you during this off season? Obviously, coming back to Houston. What is it? Was there anything that you wanted to work on in the off season, or is it one of those things where everything that I do, my body, mind, spirit, whatever. I just want to improve that so I can be even better all round as a player. What was this off season like getting ready for this season? Um, this this might this might seem a little different, but this off season for me didn't switch it up uh training wise, but I did a lot more recovering wise. Yeah. Like I did uh I did uh yoga as a recovery. I did uh hot yoga too. It is I I'll I'll say ten to fifteen minutes at best. Hot yoga? Hot yoga. It is, it is very So you hot. go to like a local place, and are you – how many guys are in the hot yoga class? Not not too many guys in there. Really? Maybe like five guys, and it's like – it's a class of 30. Mm-hmm. So maybe like five guys in there, and uh, me be included. And I'll try to go in the back corner. Yeah. You know, the first time I went in there, everybody was like, he's got to play football. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to do something. <laughs> I, told, I told the instructor, like, you know what I'm saying, uh, if – you don't have to give me an introduction. She wanted to. She was like, mm-hmm. I want to let me know who's, you know, who's in our class. I'm like, please don't do that because it's going to turn into a, you know, a madhouse. But she did it, and it, it got turned into a madhouse anyway. Of course. So talking to people, you know what I'm saying, trying to – in mid-stretch, in mid-downward dog, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> why, why it's 95 <laughs> degrees in there, mid-downward dog. How are you guys going to be this year? I'm over <laughs> struggling. But – I mean, it was it was something. But the recovery side, man, it was great. Uh, learning, you know, getting recovery tips from uh, guys who's uh, out of the lead. You know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying, uh, talking to uh, some people with uh, sports science on what to recover, what to eat. You know, what I'm saying, how to get my uh, joints back. So, because I think that's the biggest the biggest deal with guys who's starting. To, I'm going into year six. Yeah. To tackle. So you know, I gotta. I can't. If if you got a good system working out to keep your weight down. Yeah. You know yeah. that's always good, but you gotta have to do something for recovery. It's, it's got to be tough because you're getting hit on every play. You're you're in the middle of it all on every yes. single play. Yeah, it's tough, but you got um, you just gotta love it though. 
Some, yeah. There's certain people who there's certain people who's built for it, and I feel like I'm one of them. You just gotta love just taking, you know, you just gotta love just banging your head every, uh, you know, every play. I mean, it's not it's it's cr- sound crazy, but you can't do it without the love. Like right. mm-hmm. that's not a that's not a lovable position if you don't love it. Can, and that's something we talk about a lot, especially when we're getting the Texans are getting ready to draft players. It's one of the things that we talk about, Brandon, about love of the game. How do you draft a guy? How do you how do you figure out that he's got that love of the game? Like we see it with you every time you walk on the field, and I don't know if it's because of your journey and how you got here or what it is, but what is it about this game that just gives you that gives you joy that you want to go out and do what you do, which is not it's not for the faint of heart. What is it about the game that makes you want to do that each and every Sunday? To me right now, you know, peace of mind. Uh, you know, when I step out there, there's yep. always going to be some issues, you yep. know, as a as a grown man taking care of his family. So that part, when I step on that field, it just all goes away. You know, I'm, I'm with my boys. I'm in, a, I'm in, my, in my happy place. I mean, I'm comfortable, you know, whether it's uh, a walkthrough, you know, or year six, and I'm getting, I'm getting geared up on the field at OTA. I love, I love every second of it. I love the grass. I can I can go out there to a practice field and I can't tell you what's going on in my life, but I mm-hmm. but I, after I, when I step off I can tell you everything. But on the practice field I I really don't know what's going on. I, I can sometimes I don't even know if I got got any kids. <laughs> 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 that's how that's how comfortable I am. That's how good I feel out there. But being being in a position I am to play football, being undrafted, and uh, obviously take care of my family, it's unbelievable, and it just gives you more motivation to keep going. Well, you clearly love it. What do you do to get hyped for the game or, or put on the game face when you get inside the lines on a Sunday? Because you mentioned it. You love it. you gotta, you got to love being in the mix right there in yeah. the middle all the time. Man, you know what You know what? It gets me going is, 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 is it might sound, you know, about a book, but it's film study. Uh-huh. So if I'm one of those guys, if I've been looking at film all day and I see you come out in this same formation and I'm looking, expecting for a play, oh, I'm fired up. I know what's coming. <laughs> I know what's going on. Okay. You know, I see what I see the play before it happens. And it's like it's one of those – it's like taking it's like taking a test and you know the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you can if you can take a test every every Sunday and you know the answers, wouldn't you take it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I get fired up about that. It's the little things with me. You know, I used to get – I used to get you know wound up with music and stuff like that. I still do, but I still got to take another. I got to take my game to another level, and obviously, also helped me out these last three years. It's basically film study. Brandon, last one from me. Nine game winning streak, eleven games, winning division. A lot of great things happened in 2018. Is there a moment to you that stands out more than any other from last season? That win in Indy. In yeah, Indy. the first one. The first one. The first one we got that, uh, that set us off. Because it was more of a, you know, going into those, going into those, you know, that game, it was like, I know we can do it. I yeah. know we, I, I know we're a good team. You know, you, you, you know, you got to turn off, you know, the outside noise. You have to, you know, you got to lock in, and you get to really see, fifty-three guys, you know, well, sixty-three guys, like, look, we are not a bad team. You know, everybody was on the same wavelength. You know, it can, mm-hmm. you only three, it can go, it can oh, go, yeah. it can go both ways. But to see at 0-3, you know, at our practices, going into the end game, our practices was still – it was still competitive. You know, it was still locked in. Guys wasn't – guys wasn't down. You know, our coaches still believed in us. And we just – all we needed was one game. And when it, and to see us get that one game, it was like, okay, all breaks loose. So let's go – let's go get another one, one week at a time. I think that was the best moment because right there we just needed to get that, that feeling of we can do it. And once we got that feeling, I think it was sky's the limit after that. There he is, the DJ in the locker room, Brandon Dunn. Big thanks to DJ Dunny, to Jordan Thomas, 
to Deshaun, to JJ, to Mark, to all of you for being here and listening. Everybody be safe. Take care. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.